I was born on a Wednesday night in Bryan, Texas. That Sunday, the next Sunday, just a few days later, I attended the A&M Church of Christ. <laughs> but I really didn't know much about this church. And so as we began to, to really get into this uh, time of celebration, I went back and I began reading and doing research. And it's wonderful that the internet is out there for times like this because it, it really brought so much new information. And I have to tell you, I am inspired by those who came before us. Let me tell you just a little bit about what I learned. I learned about A.D. Martin, who had a great, comfortable life there in Thorpe Springs, surrounded by a strong community of faith, but he had a vision. He had a vision for for taking the good news of Jesus to a state college campus and being able to be more than a math teacher, but someone who God would use to change lives. I'm happy to say that the, today, the grandson and his family, Dow and Gail Martin, the grandson of A.D. Martin is here with his family, and I would just like to recognize them right now. Could you guys stand up and just uh, let us say thank you to you? We are here today because of your grandfather, your great-grandfather, and by showing our appreciation to you, we want to also just honor the work, the faith that your great-grandfather had in moving his family from Thorpe Springs to live on the campus there at College Station to open up his classroom for a place to worship. Because for the very first time, the, the early years of our church, they met in the academic building where his classroom was. And... Then, I think about four to five years later, we had enough students that allowed us to be a recognized student organization on campus, and so we got to meet in the YMCA building. So for the first 14 years of our church's history, we actually met on the campus of Texas A&M. Yeah. And then there was this beautiful, wonderful Christian sister named Bessie Woodward. She was blessed with material wealth, but she didn't use it on herself. She wanted to use it for God's glory. And she heard about the, the opportunity to have a church building, a permanent structure right next to the campus of Texas A&M. And so she devoted so much of her funds, her generosity towards uh, this particular congregation, and because of her, we actually had the first building that was built on Church Street. Thank you to Bessie Woodward and her generosity. And then I think of Brother Sweet, is what everyone back then called him, R.B. Sweet, who was the first full-time minister. What I didn't really realize before I started studying was that he came here with no guarantee that he would get paid. Because this was a college church and university students don't have a lot of extra income. 
But he was willing to come to leave his family and to be the full-time minister for this brand new church plant right there on the state next to a state college campus. And I go back and I think about their faith. I really think about their perspective. What was it that drove them? Because I think about A.D. Martin, and I know that there were people that were saying to him, you know, this is not worth your time. Why are you doing this? Why are you moving your family from a comfortable lifestyle that you've got there in Thorpe Springs? Why are you going to this train stop out in the middle of nowhere back then? It's what it was back then. But he had a vision. He had a perspective that was so much bigger than what it looked like. I think back to Bessie Woodward. There were people who would say to her, I know because I've read some of her letters, and they said to her, why are you putting your money there? This is a waste of resources. I mean, it's not going to last because these are college students and they can't keep it up. They can't keep it going. And yet she had a perspective and a vision that was much greater than what people could see. Oh, I, I'm inspired because of Bessie Woodward. And I think of Brother Sweet. This move to come and be the first preacher at our church offered him no security. But he had a perspective. He had a vision that was bigger than what others could see. Men and women of faith, God will use to do great and lasting things. This is what I've learned. I would like for us to transition now to hear Many of you share how this church has been a blessing to you. So let's watch this together. There was a lady by the name of Woodward and there's a picture of her in the library here, that she and her husband made a fantastic gift so that they could have this congregation a facility to take care of the students. But when you walked in, it was a place of welcome. It was a place of, you belong here. It was a, it was a building that probably when we had it packed might seat 300 people with the balcony. I remember the old church on Church Street. It was red brick and uh, surrounded by other churches. The men wore fedoras or hats to church and the women always wore a hat, but the men would leave their hats on a hat rack outside. It was a long, narrow building. I mean, just, if you were way at the back, you couldn't see the minister up at the front. <laughs> even though he was on a stage. We had the old opera-style seats, and I had heard that Randy Matson was here, and when I came into the building, I knew Randy because his knees were right up to his chin. I said, that has to be Randy. It was a nice, comfortable home feeling, and we've also had tremendous, we had great preachers, but we had tremendous people working with young people all the, all the years I've been here. 
and the elders and the women of the church. Parking was the biggest issue, I guess, trying to find a place to park where you had to beat the Baptist and the Methodist, you know, to the parking spots sometimes. But uh, <laughs> that was always a little battle. And I remember very specifically uh, going to church on Sunday mornings, Sunday school at 9 a.m., and church at 10. And in between Sunday school and church, the men would go smoke outside, and the women wouldn't because even if they smoked, they couldn't smoke outside in public. I can kind of see part of it, but it's, it's kind of hard to remember all the things, but I do know it was good. It's a good place. My grandfather owned the, uh, a hardware store and gift store across the street from the A&M church. When my grandmother passed away, he decided to downsize. He sold the building to the A&M Church of Christ, and it became a Bible chair. You know, it was a tight-knit family, and then across the street, we had the Bible chair with the ping-pong tables, and that's where we had our fellowships and all that. It was, it was a, a fun place because it was so small, but it was, it was great. Everybody knew everybody, of course. We even knew all the students back then. You can't know all the students here now. I was preaching for the Malvern Church of Christ in Long Island, and one day, one of the elders of the A&M Church knocked on my door is on Dutch Broadway in Elmont, New York. I said, Brother Street, what are you doing here? He said, I've come to take you back to Texas. I said, what? He said, we want to have a full-time campus minister, a, a preacher that works with the students full-time. And so I decided that that might be the best thing that I could do. So I left Long Island and came to the College Station in 1954. And I met Bob Davidson and Mert Davidson, and they were just the life of my life all of a sudden. And I thought, what a wonderful, wonderful person and wife to know. So we had meals over at their house quite often. We put out a little brochure called the A&M Christian, and we had lick them and stick them parties where you'd lick the labels and stick them on there and then put them in the mail. And we always had a, a contest to see who could stick the most the fastest because you know Bob Davidson, he always wanted to compete. And so on uh, January the 16th, 1955, Bob Davidson baptized me at the church building on North, at Northgate. And uh, I've, I'll never forget it. I think they had not kept the baptistry warm and it was colder than lice, but I was baptized by Bob. And, and it, it, was, it, was, it changed my whole life. I love, of course, the Aggie program. We've devoted so much of the time to them and uh, I particularly enjoyed it when I was here. Uh, I credit uh, Bob Davidson and the Aggie program for helping me remain faithful and to choose a Christian wife. But the church was full of enthusiasm. It supported missionaries, and uh, it's had a tradition of uh, working with Aggies all these years, and they're still carrying it on, and I hope it'll be for another 100 years. But the Aggies for Christ started in the, in the 70s in uh, a group where they were discussing what they were going to do when summer came. And, and they started talking about Galveston and beaches and trips. And, 
Some of them said, well, let's visit churches and visit young people. So that's kind of the way the Aggies for Christ got started. So many of the college students that came through A&M that were either already Christians or they became Christians owned their spiritual growth and development to this congregation. There's so many incredible ministries here at the A&M Church. The one that God used to reach me was AFC, and I came here at a critical, critical turning point in my life, and I found opportunities to serve and love others and get involved, and that was life-changing for me. I know that for thousands of other college students, it has been the same, and so I was grateful for that because it helped me to find hope and live with purpose, and I know that going forward, the A&M Church is gonna continue to do that. We were the first congregation of the various denominations that moved away from the campus. And we built across the street from where the uh, consolidated high school decided to build. The thing I remember the most about the old, the old building was Sunday night service. And it was the best time of the week. I don't know why it was, but it was um, unbelievable singing. The auditorium was packed. With its brick walls, its hard front, its lower ceiling, and 800 people in there on Sunday nights, which was the largest crowds that we would have. And the singing there was singing like you'd never heard before. Dad loved it. I mean, he, it was the happiest time of his life, the 20 years he spent here. He, he uh, anguished over the relationships because he loved them so much. I often heard him say it was the happiest time of his life. He loved it. When people ask me about this, this church, this congregation, the first thing I tell them is we are mission-minded, and I love that. Um, I love the fact that the A&M Church takes care of missionaries, that they send missionaries all over the world. They also act as missionaries here in our uh, two cities. This church has been great in relating to the community. Uh, my first thought goes to the iHouse, the international students, how we reach out and bless them with furniture, food, whatever their needs are. Another thing is the Lincoln House of Hope. I remember so many times going and passing out food to those people over there in that neighborhood. It's just a welcoming place, and I think we're getting better and better at welcoming people who come into our doors. Y'all was extremely welcoming to me as a kid with disabilities, and y'all just welcomed me with open arms. And y'all, to me, I don't have, to y'all, I don't have a disability. I am just like every single one of you, and I absolutely love that y'all do that for us. As we do this celebrating, I want us to remember all those many people who have been part of our fellowship but have gone on, and they're not here with us anymore, but they are. They really are still with us. I love you because of the things you do for others. I love you for the many ways that you uh, loved and honored my wife. And I love you for the ways that you responded when she went to be with God. I love you, church family, because you do exactly like Christ did. You first loved me. You were always there. You've always been there from college to marriage to troubles to now to joys. You're always there. You're ready to celebrate. You're ready to mourn, and you're ready to comfort all the way through. I love it because it is a family. It is a fellowship. 
It is a place of celebration. It is a place of mourning and crying and holding each other up. I love it because it's not static. It is changing and evolving and growing. And for that, I'm just thankful to go home. I, I love it, the A&M Church, because of the people. And that may be a simple answer, but it really is pretty complex because, uh, you know, we can worship God in a lot of places and a lot of different settings with a lot of different people, but it's the community of believers here that are uh, walking and making this journey together that I think make it special. But when it comes down to it, it's like, where are the people that I want to endure with and walk along beside? And as I'm raising my kids who are, you know, six and eight right now, um, there's not a better place, not a place I'd rather be because of the people that are here. I think of a scripture in Hebrews that talks about that we are partners with Christ. And um, we, as we are partners in Christ, we come, at, come with confidence. And so we are going to endure to the very end. And so I encourage you to stick in there with um, even when things are hard um, and to realize that um, you make more of an impact than you ever imagined. The a Church of Christ has been, my whole life, it's been so important to me. Um, they have supported our family. Um, they prayed so much about Rebecca. And I feel like Rebecca is alive today because of the, the prayers and the wonderful people. It makes me cry to think of how much I love these people that have prayed. This is the only congregation I've been affiliated with. My parents came here in World War II, and this is my home. We grew up here, uh, we married here, we raised our children here, our children were baptized here. Um, it's, it's just home to me. This church and these people is what keeps me going and what fills me up, not just from a people perspective, but from a very a, a spiritual perspective, from a godly perspective. They give me accountability, they give me encouragement, and they're what keeps me going. Because we do have people that move in, move out, and students, of course, that move in, move out. And they're taking a little bit of this church with them wherever they go. And I think that's wonderful. I mean, it's spread all over the world. And it's just amazing when you think about it. Uh, the lives and the, the lives they've touched and reached and they could have never been reached otherwise. And, and I think the A&M Church is still known for that, uh, going out and, and carrying the, the love of Jesus everywhere they go. When the Lord comes again, He's gonna come after the whole world knows about him. He'll come eventually. And when he comes, I want him to find this church, whether it's one year from now or a hundred years from now, I want him to find this church at work, spreading his word, telling people that Jesus is the Son of God, that there is a man that rose from the dead and his name is Jesus. We will roll the old gospel chariot along and we'll all jump in and ride. Praise God. I'm going to ask Greg Anderson to come up and just uh, share a short uh, verse of scripture with us. Thank you, Kelly. Good morning, everybody. I want to share a passage with you from Psalm 145. If you've got your Bibles, please go ahead and turn there. 
this is a very fitting passage to uh, not just today, but, but what today represents and, and far beyond. David writes in Psalm 145, beginning at verse 1, I will exalt you, my God and my King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness. And um, joyfully sing of your righteousness. As I read this passage of Scripture, one truth clearly surfaces for me, and that is that our God is a uniter of generations. He's a uniter of generations. I think about Scriptures from very early, Exodus 3, verse 6, for example. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. If you look closely at passages like Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 5, Titus chapter 2, similar passages, you you quickly discover that not only um, does God want intergenerational interaction, uh, he designed us for it. And of course, anything that God designs, well, what does Satan want to do? He wants to tear it down, right? So... If God is the great uniter of generations, then guess what? Satan is the great divider of generations. And I think that's why Psalm 145, verses 1 through 7, is filled with action verbs. There are eight action verbs just in verses 4 through 7 alone, two of which uh, are actions by the individual, meditation, and proclamation that result from the actions of the congregation, commending the works of God to one another, telling one another about his mighty acts, speaking about God's splendor, testifying to the power of his works, celebrating his goodness, singing about his righteousness. So I challenge you this morning to remember a couple of things. God is the great uniter of generations. Satan is the great divider of generations. So of all of the places that we have got to start to overcome the great divider, our enemy, I think we need to make sure that we start at home because it is multiple homes, households, that comprised the church. By the way, you know God made the family before he made the church, right? It was all part of his plan. This past week, I spent a couple of days with my grandson. His name is Cade. He's five months old. As I carried him and uh, fed him, I was constantly praying over him. And I was saying, God loves you. 
Papa G, that's me, Papa G loves you. Um, I sang over him. I spoke scripture over him. And I do the same thing all the time with our granddaughter, uh, Evie, and many, many times when we're together. And, and, and church, of all the things, of all of the things that I want for my family, above all else, I want them to know Jesus. So passing along faith in him is the only thing that gets us to the 150-year celebration or beyond. So younger Christians, spend time with older Christians. Listen to their stories. Learn from their wisdom. Older Christians, spend time with younger believers. Listen to their dreams. Encourage them and show them Jesus as you speak life into them. I couldn't think of a more appropriate passage to tie what we read in Psalm 145 than from a prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 3 when he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all, can you say the word with me? Generations, now and forever. Amen. As we end up today, before we have our final song, I want to invite uh, one of our former ministers, Gary Cohorn, to come up and to just say a prayer of blessing on this church as we move forward into the decades to come. Absolutely. Thank you. It's good to be here. I want you to think for a second before we pray about the people and the faces and man as I look out in this crowd and see people and faces and the stories what they represent what you represent from Mr. Martin brother Martin and from brother Sweet and the dreams the visions that you mentioned and they mentioned Kelly and you think about what's taken place in the past hundred years here in, in, in Aggieland in any of the properties but even more what's taken place in your heart your life I know in my life I, I can only imagine what he has in store. Uh, so I'll, fin I'll, I'll pick up the theme in, in, in one minute or less, what I think I've heard here this morning. Jesus said it in John 17. It was his prayer. It was his so powerful prayer to the Father when he said, Lord, I'm coming to you, but I'm also leaving some behind, and I pray that they will be one, as you and I are one. He said it three times in that chapter. May they be one. May we be one with humility and love and grace and kindness. And at the center, Stephen, as you said, Jesus, the core. He is the start and the beginning. If you can think of the number of people, young people, from children who have met Jesus here and found some sense of a, Jesus with skin on, God was skin on here, and they've met, and they heard, and they listened, and they were loved by people here. They were invited into homes. They found their sense of mission, personal mission, group mission, here locally or abroad, wherever. They found ways to serve using their own giftedness. I, I, I honor and I 
thank this church and I thank obviously the Lord for his guiding us all. And may he continue that. Let's pray together. You have and you continue to do it, Father. You continue to, to call us into your, into your space, your journey, your relationship. You call us to, to know you better and deeper and to encourage others along the way. You've watched and you've manifested your love and your purpose and your spirit through so many that have come here for, for education, come to the city. Maybe they've come across town. Maybe they've walked up the street to get some food. Whatever the case is, you have manifested yourself in the lives of people here in any of these properties that we mentioned this morning. May you continue. Maybe that, may that be the heartbeat of this place. May it continue to be fully centered on, as Betty said, one day when you come back again, may you find us here or other places talking about you, loving you, serving you, exuding you, being all about you. We thank you for the privilege of that. I thank you for the blessing that so many here have been to me and those that have been connected. So we pray in the next weeks, months, and years. Please take this place, take those that come here to places you want them to go. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Gary. As Steve makes his way up here, I just want to remind us that we've been celebrating 100 years, but really what we've been celebrating is the faithfulness and the goodness of Jesus. And as we think about that, I want us to just realize and I want to bring up the, the idea that, that if you are here and you don't know Jesus, if you're carrying a burden that is really so hard for you to carry and you don't know what to do, we're going to be having some ministers, some elders in the Welcome Center. We would love to meet with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to tell you more about this Jesus who has changed our lives so that we can live for him each day with purpose. So we're going to be singing this song, and I want us to remember that all that really matters is Jesus. That's all that really matters. All that really matters is Jesus. So blessed be his name.